Before we get started with the show today, I want to spend a minute saying thank you to Allison Johansson. Allison sent us a very generous donation of $50 and also sent us a very nice note that I'm going to read for you. So Allison says, I look forward to this podcast every week. Thank you for the great content that always gives me something new to think about as a midlife emerging artist. So thanks again, Allison, for your generous donation and your very nice note. If you would like your own shout out on the Messy Studio podcast, stop by www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. You can set up a recurring monthly donation or a single time donation for literally any amount. Once again, that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Last month, Rebecca posted the question on Facebook asking artists, I'd love to hear about art books you recommend, those you keep close at hand, have helped you in some way, broadened your perspective, and or just make a good read or are a visual feast. I would define art books as anything related to art forms, artists, art movements, creativity, or anything that has inspired you in your work. There were dozens of replies covering a broad range of topics. Today we look at why reading is important for us as artists and begin to sift through some of the responses that we received. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I really didn't know what I was in for when I asked this question. Uh, as, as often happens, there were a lot of responses, and I, I want to start out by thanking everybody who who did write something on that post. Um, I, you know, I kind of thought there'd be a sort of a canon of um, well-regarded art books, and there'd be similar responses over and over, or people would talk about kind of the same books, and um, that there were some of those kind of books on the list that a lot of people know of and reference. But actually, it was very broad. <laughs> there were a lot of different things that people mentioned. And so it's clear to me that artists are uh, inspired and intrigued by a wide range of topics and um, and genres of art-related reading. And there were so many, really, that we're going to split this into two parts. And today, um, I'm just going to talk about in a more general way, like what were the kind of broad topics that were brought up and why they're important. And then next week, we'll go into um, a list of titles and authors and more discussion about specific books. Um, today, it's it's a little more um, general about what role reading and books play for artists in their creative life. Like, why do we care about this? And clearly, a lot of artists do. <laughs> um, and I, I thought of a few reasons why it's important to read art-related books. And one of the first ones that came to my mind was, it's a kind of an emotional thing to know that we are not alone on this creative path that we're on, which can be difficult, can be very exciting. And knowing that others, many, many other people share this and many write about it very well. So it, it provides a sense of connection with, with other artists current artists, past artists, um, in their own words, like in memoirs and autobiographies, and in those words of other people writing about them. So I think that's a, probably the emotional reason why a lot of people are drawn to these 
to a lot of these types of books that we're going to talk about. And also, you know, it's it's self-education. It's to deepen our understanding. When I teach workshops, I often realize that there are a lot of people that don't have much background in art in any sense. I mean, they're interested in it. They're often people that have always wanted to make art, but they haven't had time in their lives. And they're coming into it without um, an art education or specifically an art education. And there's something about not knowing anything about nothing much, or maybe a very scattered education about the background of art history, art movements, art theory. And one of the one of the things I notice about when that happens is that the understanding of art as a whole can be somewhat superficial. It doesn't mean you can't make good art, doesn't mean you don't care about it, but there but there's a, a lack of depth of understanding. I guess that comes with deeper reading. And just for an example of an attitude or belief that sometimes comes up is that abstraction understanding abstraction uh and and the idea that it's sort of easy and it's sort of anything goes and and once you start reading about the history of abstraction it's fascinating and there's just been so many different threads and ideas that go into it and i think it's important to know some of that um just in general feeding your curiosity about all different aspects of art and not just your own field of art or your own medium um this what well, I think what this does is it helps you build a conceptual basis for your work, and I feel that that's important. It doesn't have to be conceptual in the sense of a a great long theory or a lot of research or whatever. But when we talk about our work, we want to put it in some kind of a context. That that's what I'm talking about. There's some kind of connections with what other people have done or what ideas are out there. And you you gain a sense of the flow of ideas over time, like what led to what. Um, that whole topic of influence that we talked about in um, episode 101. So, and a lot of times when we read about other artists, we learn what their influences were. <laughs> you know, we may be influenced by them, but they were influenced by someone. And so you get this uh, sense of how we're all just, you know, part of this great flow of ideas. It's kind of exciting. One other thing I think that we gained from reading about art is, I kind of touched on it just there, but how to talk about art. And when you read interviews with other artists, um, it's a good way to educate yourself about the kind of things that artists are saying about their own work and about their lives and their process. And you, you, you learn more about how to express yourself and your vocabulary um, by listening to or you know reading what these very professional and accomplished artists have to say, and and many times they are very articulate, and it's not can't be dismissed as art speak. You encounter that a lot more just in statements and things. But these in depth interviews where somebody will ask an artist about their life and how they got to where they are, they can be really interesting, and. I guess the last thing I want to say about books, like why do we want them, why do we read them, is um, that uh, you know we're going to go into all that in more depth. But just to say they're a good investment, and they can be expensive, you know, uh, 
Definitely. And but there are ways to get used ones, obviously, on Amazon or used bookstores, etc. Um, and you can also borrow them, of course, from the library or from your friends. But there are certain ones I think that people just want to own and and maybe they're the ones that get full of underlining and notes in the margin and that sort of thing. Uh, these are part of your process, really, or they can be. Yeah, I think I'd like to add what I really enjoy about reading. Um, you know, aside from uh, what is particular to art, which is the the visual element in a lot of cases, um, which uh, really is is represented better in printed form a lot of times than just about any other way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think aside from that, what I personally really enjoy about reading, uh, because I do also listen to a lot of podcasts, of course, and uh, you know watch documentaries and things like that. And there's other ways that we can often absorb a lot of the same content that w- we would get by reading. But I think that what's important about reading is that you set your own pace. So as you're reading along, a lot of times you'll be thinking, how does this apply to me? And you can kind of pause or you know finish a thought before moving on to the next sentence in the book um and uh, and you can't do that with a lot of other media you tend to kind of zone in and out and think how does this apply to me and then you zone back in and (laughs) and there may have been a couple minutes that you missed in there where there was some good content yeah that's a really good point and it's it's kind of it's that slow pace that we talked about in our walking episode um it's this kind of uh, paying attention and deep reading, and as you say, you can pause, you can make some notes, you can think. You might want to look something up. Um, you know, there's something mentioned. Oftentimes, there'll be a reference in a book to an artist or something, and you're like, who's that? And so you can pause a minute and look that up on your computer and, and get a little background. And Yeah, and I, I actually often do that while I'm listening to podcasts because I'm on my phone, and I can just pause the podcast and go and look something up and come back, and I'm still at the same spot. But it, yeah. it's... It's definitely easier when you're reading than with just about any other way of consuming media. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's I, I, you know, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on too. But setting aside a time, you know, where you you really can focus, and it's it's so good for your brain. I don't know. Um, anyway, I wanted to talk about the broad categories that people mentioned, because there, as I said, there were a lot of responses and they were all over the place. And I thought, what's the best way to kind of approach this? And I I didn't want to just read the list of titles, um, although we will get into that in the next episode, but to kind of group them and say, well, what are the kind of the genres or the broader areas that artists seem to be very attracted to? And so that's what I'm going to kind of go through here. And, and one, the first one I want to talk about is just information, like really um, factual information um, about art history or art movements, just the kind of things that we need to do to educate ourselves um, about art. And I kind of touched on art history. If you don't have any art history background um, or any knowledge beyond your own time, you know, some of us know a lot about what's happening around us in contemporary art, but not much about what came before that. So consider a reference book. And there really wasn't one of these mentioned in the list, but I think it's a great thing to have on hand. And it's hard to get from the computer or another source. It's kind of the kind of information you would get if you're taking a survey course 
at a at a college, for example, where you start back in you know before the dawn of time, and then moving right up to the present time. And there are some good ones out there. Um, one that gets mentioned a lot is Gardner's Art Through the Ages. Um, there's a couple of other ones that have been used in colleges for years. There's a lot of criticism now about some of these books because they rarely include very many women, and this is a problem. But there are also books about women in art history as well. And any of these things are useful for understanding the chronology, kind of what led to what, um, what happened during the Renaissance that was so interesting. And you can always, like I said, you can always supplement if you feel that there's an, they're very focused on um, Western art, on male artists, but you can always supplement that as well with other reading, because it's, it's definitely important to do that. Um, other types of informational books, the things just about the art elements and especially color. We did a whole episode on color, right? And and that was actually inspired by um, comments about color books that were on this Facebook post. There's tons of reading you can do about that or other elements as well. There are books about particular media. Most artists have some technical manuals for reference um, about their particular way of working. It's printmaking or painting or working in clay, whatever it is. Um, and most of these are pretty well regarded. You know, do some research, find out which are the books that have a more scholarly approach, maybe if that's your bent. Um, you know, you can kind of separate out ones that are more superficial or more sort of um, project-oriented and try to get ones that really teach you about the media that you're working with. And of course, art uh, art business, Ross, this is more up your alley. So there's a lot of books about marketing, um, other practical aspects of being an artist, um, keeping records, uh, knowing about taxes, et cetera. And the thing that kind of <laughs> interested me was that nobody mentioned any of these on Facebook uh, maybe it was the way the the post or the question was worded. You know, I was kind of focusing on more the more creative aspects. But in any case, there are a lot of these really helpful books about uh, just your career, basically. And one of the classic ones or very well known is Alison Stanfield's uh, book called "I'd Rather Be in the Studio," which I love the title. She's kind of acknowledging that that's. Sometimes this business stuff is something we have to learn about and we have to study, even though we'd rather be making art most of the time. So that's the some of the books that would fall under that category of just information. You know, I need to know this as a reference books. Um, good to have some of these, good to own some of these. Uh, another big category has to do with books that really have a lot of beautiful imagery in them. And it's probably not that first category, but these are books that are um, all about the art itself, you know, the, the beautiful reproductions of, of work. And as you said, this is a really good way to look at art. When you see art on the computer, which is how a lot of us, you know, browse around, look at people's artwork, uh, you, the color is all always questionable. Um, there's that sense of illumination that you get from the lit up screen that can change the way things look on the screen. But a good reproduction in a book, that's usually a very good way to see it. 
Um, so I find, you know, I, I have quite a few of these around and I, I find they're so good just to browse through or flip through uh, at different points when I'm working. Sometimes when I'm stuck and I just, all it takes is about five minutes of somebody else's artwork in my face to get me out of my own problem and sort of break the spell of frustration with whatever I'm working on. <laughs> Look at something else, take a visual break and come back. And very often it's it's a good thing. It's kind of refreshing and I can go on. Uh, and I think just having a stack of those sitting around in the studio is a great idea. People that you like. Um, looking at art in, in reproduction is another way also of training your own eye. And we have talked about the kind of questions that as artists we should be asking of our own work, but also when we see work that we like. And a good way to do this is to study those images in books and ask yourself, oh, what, you know, why, how is this working? What attracts me about it? And do a little analysis, the composition, the color, things that strike you about it, and just kind of contemplate images and books of artists that you like. It's a great, another kind of a short break, a practice maybe to do ongoing. And as far as, you know, who these are about, I mean, it could be anybody in art history. But one of the things I know a lot of people do, <laughs> I do it, uh, is you go to an exhibit at a museum, or maybe a a kind of a high-end gallery that does catalogs and you see work that you're just you love it you know and you want to know more about it so there's usually a catalog or monograph about the artist and sometimes these are a hundred dollars and you're not going to buy it but sometimes they're reasonably priced and it's a way to to extend the experience of looking at the art uh, in person you've seen in person. So that enhances when you look at the photographs later and learning about the artist. And they, these type of books usually include interviews, um, background on the artist, some biography and so on, essays about their work. So it's really a good way to extend your experience whenever you're impressed by something uh, that you've seen in person. Uh, another big category of work that are of reading that came up had to do with specific artists and art movements. So more shifting more from say an exhibition catalog into what, what was, um, what was it like in Paris in the thirties? You know, what was that all about? How did that lead to what, what we see in the art world today? What were the lives of artists like? What kept them going? You know, what obstacles did they have to overcome thoughts about their work? And this is this kind of gets back to that feeling of connection, because so often when we read about other artists, even if they're people in art history or they were very well known or whatever it is, you still feel that connection. I mean, in a really basic way, we're all doing the same thing, and it's just a it's a good emotional feeling to to connect with that. Um, these are not necessarily heavily illustrated books. They can be no illustrations at all, really. And you might have to look up the, if they refer to specific paintings or whatever, you might want to look those up as you go. It includes biographies and memoirs. Um, 
I'm reading one right now that I like about Agnes Martin called um, Agnes Martin, Pioneer, Painter, and Icon by Henry Martin, no relation. And the, the whole book doesn't include a single image of her work. I don't think there's some family photographs and things. So I've been, as I read it, and there's a painting that's discussed, I can usually find it online and see what they're talking about. So I guess... You know, it's not a drawback that they, these type of biographies and things don't always include a lot of illustrations. With our online access, we can always find stuff like that. And the largest overall category that people mentioned in their responses had to do in some way with inspiration. And now everything I've already mentioned can also be looked at as inspiration. But these are books specifically about creativity, um, living the life of an artist, what it takes to do that, um, how, what challenges you might face and how they can be faced. Um, I think these books do a couple of things. I mean, they, they're an affirmation that what we do as artists is difficult. It's challenging. And there are so many aspects of creativity that we're faced with and trying to figure out. And they, they do place us in kind of a a category or a a community of people that are living these art-centered lives and um we can learn a lot and and they're very helpful when things are rough when we're confused and so on so as i said next uh, time next week we'll go back over those categories and and add specific lots of specific titles little short book reviews and information about things that people um, suggested. Uh, and I guess I kind of want to go back to what you were touching on earlier with what you gained from reading and, and some of the challenges of reading and how to, how to go about it in an effective way. And I, it's sad that a lot of people don't read as much as they used to actual books, <laughs> right? Uh, I I feel like in my own life it's fallen off. I used to often sit down with a book and spend a lot of time with books, and the computer seems to take up a lot of that time now. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I, you know, and I find Kindle to be very helpful, and um, you know, I do a lot of electronic reading. Um, but there is something different about having a, a physical book. And I, I think what you were talking about earlier with, uh, if you're actually looking at images of paintings, um, you know, the, the way that we capture photos with digital photography is not necessarily a true to life depiction of the colors and the textures. Um, and everybody's screen is also set differently when we yeah. load those images onto our screens. And so there's subtle differences that, that are in, in a, in a really intricate piece of artwork become a very big deal. So it's it's very important to have some of these print books around as well. Yeah. And I will say, you know, print books vary incredibly in quality too. I mean, it's just because it's in a book, it's not always a great reproduction. But, uh, you know, the quality of the book, you can kind of tell by the, the weight of it, the pages, the way it's printed. Um, you can go for higher quality images that way. And there has been some opportunity usually for during the printing for adjustments to be made so it's it's as true to color and so on as possible, which obviously, as you say, isn't isn't the case with what we see on the computer. 
Um, nothing like seeing it in real life in any case, but, you know, I, I think the book is, it's an intimate experience. It's, it's a solitary experience in a way that a computer just isn't. Um, a, a lot of us have books around that we never get around to reading. <laughs> I will admit to that. I, I see something or I come across something. Oh, that looks great. I'm going to buy it. Um, and then I feel slightly guilty that I'm not, I haven't read them all cover to cover and, or, you know, spent enough time with them. But actually, the impulse to buy that book indicates a curiosity, and that's a good thing. And I find that if I set aside a certain time for reading, I do, I do get to these things eventually. <laughs> And I think that it's important to have some physical books around um, mm -hmm. because if you're only reading on a screen, it's very easy to get distracted by Facebook or oh, uh, something, true. you know, news, your <laughs> news feed or whatever. Um, and if you're, if you just, especially in your studio, if you have a bookshelf that you can fill with books that are of interesting topics and fit in a few of these categories that we've mentioned earlier, then during your time when you just need a break, it's very easy to, without getting sucked into a Facebook hole, um, just kind of sit sit and relax and have a cup of coffee and browse your bookshelf and grab something and read a chapter or look flip through the pages. Um, and, uh, and in that way, you can absorb a lot of things over time um, yeah. without necessarily saying, I'm going to sit and read this book for 30 minutes every day, although that may work <laughs> for a lot of people as well. Right. I, I think there's two ways to go about it. I mean, I was just going to mention that what I've been doing lately – here in New Mexico for the winter, where, where life seems to be at a little bit of a slower pace, is I try to start the day with reading. And and I try not to get involved in the computer for the first hour or so when I get up. And I have books sitting by my chair that you know, are waiting to be read. And I, I am progressing through several of them at once, including the Agnes Martin book that I mentioned and a couple other ones. And it's really nice, you know, just to say, this is the time to read. I'm alert. Um, you know, I, sometimes at the end of the day, I feel too tired for deep reading, but morning is good for me. And it becomes a sort of a ritual, you know. It's, I feel like I start the day with ideas and kind of excited about things that I'm reading about. So for me, that's what works, actually, is finding this time. But I also do what you're saying is, uh, just flipping through things and reading a short bit at a time, usually in the studio. And that that's another experience that works really well. Um, I do find this kind of deep reading to be a challenge in this world of fast information. And I love your comment about how, you know, you're reading something on the computer and little things pop up. Oh, you just got an email. Oh, what's that about? You know, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy to try to concentrate I think a lot of us, myself included, feel like we're losing that ability to slow down and really digest what we're reading. For me, it helps to take some notes. Um, as you mentioned earlier, stopping when something hits you, I'll write in a journal, I'll write in a sketchbook, and to kind of take off on an idea that comes in because a lot of times something triggers when you're reading it. It may not be what you're reading about at all, but something like, oh, wait a minute, that that little thought applies to something I've been trying to figure out in my work or something like that. And so it can be this 
uh, catalyst really for for other great thought. Um, and I think the idea that some books you don't have to read cover to cover. You know, you're browsing, you're dipping in, you're maybe more visual experience. You know, maybe one of the books with a lot of pictures here. Uh, sometimes when I get these catalogs from museum shows and whatnot, I I don't always read all the essays and everything like I just recommended doing. Maybe over time I do at parts of them. There's often a lot of text in those kind of books, but I buy them or I acquire them because of the pictures, honestly. So whatever need a book serves for you, that's that's fine. Um, and I, I wanted to mention something, too, that occurred to me when I was writing this post up was um, an idea for a book club. And, you know, typically a book club, everybody reads the same book, you know, and then you discuss it. But you could have a book club of artists where people were reading different books and coming to the meeting and saying, hey, how about this one and passing it around and talking about it a little bit and how many books we could be exposed to that way if you have a circle of artists that you like to get together with. So I'm just putting that out there. I thought that sounded like fun and um it's more maybe more open ended than a lot of book clubs where you say everybody's got to read this one thing, right? So that's <laughs> everyone's really homework for this episode is yeah, to right. choose a book <laughs> and uh, read it and write a book report and book share report. it with the class. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid that sounds a little dull, but <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun though if it's something that everybody's interested in. Well, and you know, I mean, what came through when I asked this question on Facebook was how much people love their art books. And I know a lot of us share them, lend them out, talk about them to our friends. But it's also a kind of an interesting idea to do it in a more formal way, I think. Um, and really, um, if, if you didn't read the whole thing, you could admit that too. You could say, I just like the pictures in here. <laughs> well, and that's the really soul-crushing thing about doing book reports for school is that you had to you had to pretend that you read the whole book and you know <laughs> that you didn't just like you know, cruise through the cliff notes and write a few things down. And, you know, I remember a conversation I had once with an artist friend and he said, cause he would buy a lot of art books, you know? And he said, if I get one good idea out of this book, it's worth it to me. And I, even if I don't read the whole book, even if I only get one thing out of it, I feel like I've gained and it was worthwhile. So <laughs> I've always kind of thought that was a good approach. So do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, yeah, I I guess, like I said, it's, it's obvious to me that art-related books are important to a lot of artists. And some artists have really big collections of books, and and that really shows a lot of curiosity and a, and a desire to, to understand things um, more deeply. I, I've had artists joke to me that collecting books is some sort of addiction, but uh, even a few important books can really have an impact on your thoughts and intentions and help you understand your own work better. Um, and like I said, in the next episode, we're going to give these specific examples. But in the meantime, you know, pick up a book. <laughs> well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. 
please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.